Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, I'm Bobby, and I'm your friend who knows just a little bit too much about pop culture. Welcome to your weekly meeting of Pop Culture Fanatics Anonymous. When I say fan, what comes to mind? Is it the roar of thousands of crazy football fans going nuts and flipping over cars when their favorite team wins the big game? Or is it a sea of countless teenage girls screaming at the top of their lungs when their favorite band finally comes on stage during a concert? Both would be pretty accurate depictions of a fan, right? And more importantly, they're both pretty neutral in connotation. Like when we hear the word fan, we don't really feel an aversion to that word. It's pretty down the middle. But what about when I say the word fangirl? That connotation feels a little bit different, right? Like there's a little bit of a derogatory bite to it. And oftentimes we use it to describe when you're a little bit too excited about something or to describe someone who is deemed as having an almost blind devotion to something. Fangirls are often associated with the fandom of teenage girls and how they behave with things that they like. But where did they get such a bad rap? especially since teen girls are often the heaviest purveyors of culture and have informed what fandom culture is like. Well, this week, as a part of our month-long tribute to and in celebration of the teen girl, we're diving into the anatomy of the fangirl and how the fangirl is the pioneer of fan culture. So, if that sounds good to you, let's get started. So the best way to do this is almost treat it a little bit like a Q&A because as you could probably guess, I am a proud fangirl. So I've got a, a little bit of expertise here. So with any Q&A, what's a good first question? Well, first question is, who is the fangirl? How would you describe her? I would describe the fangirl as a person who loves something just unabashedly and wholeheartedly and just puts all of herself in to loving this thing. And it could be anything. It literally could be anything. It could be a book. It could be uh, music. It could be film. It could be television. It could be so many things. Like a fangirl feels like a step above a fan to me because there's a certain level of dedication that goes beyond simply being a fan. Like a fan is, uh, I would say kind of like, it's an active process when something is going on, right? So like when you're reading the book or when you're watching the movie, you're going to the concert, that's the active process. And then every other time, it's kind of not, I wouldn't say it's passive, but you're kind of just like, yeah, I'm a fan of that thing, you know, but it's not actively happening in, in the background of your everyday life. Whereas a fangirl she kind of like eats, sleeps, and breathes whatever it is that she is a fangirl of. That's how I would describe who the fangirl is. And the fangirl can look like anyone, really. Like it doesn't, it's not subscribed to one specific, you know, 
personality trait. It's not one specific identity. It's not one specific expression. It is truly this kind of all-encompassing word. And it's really just for anyone who kind of subscribes to the experience of, of the fangirl, if that makes sense. So where did she come from? Well, that means it's time for a little bit of a history lesson into the fangirl as we know her today. Basically just talking about the origins of the fangirl, right? So for a lot of um, of the kind of historical aspect of the fangirl, a lot of it begins with Beatlemania famously because that's probably the most prolific contemporary example that we have of like teenage fangirls and teenage girl fandom um, on full display. Like there were kind of like, you know, peaks and valleys of it before then, but that was kind of the biggest showing of it, one could say. But the kind of origins or where some historians can kind of put a little pin where teen girls and their relationship to fandom began um, all happened all the way back in the mid 1800s, a little bit before the word teenager was even invented. And if you want to know a little bit more about the history of the teenager, especially the teen girl, you can listen to the first episode in this month long series talking about the teen girl. It's great. But in the mid 1800s, um, there was kind of a fervor beginning to brew around the musician Franz Litz. And it was not like we wouldn't describe it in the same way as we would like the Beatles. Like we've all seen the kind of archival footage of like, you know, like Beatlemania and everything like that. But there was a similar feeling that was happening around this time where there would be women who were, you know, fawning and kind of very like out front with their admiration for for Litz and his music. And so then as time kind of goes on, we get to the mid 1900s um, or mid 20th century. I don't know why I made it sound so old, um, but we get to the mid 20th century and we start to get, you know, like Elvis and we get the Beatles. Elvis was kind of the um, kind of put a little bit more spark into that flame. Um, and if you've seen the movie that came out last year, Elvis, uh, directed by Baz Luhrmann, um, starring Austin Butler, you kind of get a glimpse of that in the very first uh, segment that we see with Elvis, like performing. I can't remember which song he's performing, but we see that there was kind of this like everyone's kind of very prim and proper and like they sat and enjoyed concerts in a very... Um, cordial I guess is the best way to describe it way like we all we sat and we listened to the music but then there's that one the scene in the movie where like he's starting to to dance and you know gyrate and do the thing that Elvis does and these girls start going nuts they're just like they just start screaming and <laughs> it's almost like they can't help it but that the whole like first half of that movie I'm saying this as if I really enjoyed this I did I really I didn't love it but it's a good example of what I'm talking about. But the first half of that movie really does show kind of what teen girl fandom looked like around that time, which it was this thing like I think a lot of especially authorities at the time viewed teen girls as kind of this like thoughtless horde when in actuality they had a lot more cultural power than anyone wanted to give them credit for. And that's been a ongoing thought 
since the beginning of of teenagehood but around that time i think a lot of like in like record companies began to see like oh this is one group that is going to be dedicated to whatever whoever we put in front of them that they like and then like once we get to the 60s where that formula is continuing to get refined and refined and refined then you have Beatlemania that comes out of nowhere and is massive like you have the this group that's come over to the US from the UK and teen girls gobble them up like I don't think that we give you know we can we can credit you know so many people for the success of the Beatles including you know the members but the oftentimes thankless job of the teen girls involved in Beatlemania it oftentimes goes so unnoticed like we would not have so many of the most prolific bands and artists that we have like they probably wouldn't reach the fever pitches that they reached had they not had the backing of of teen girls who were fans of them because one thing about a fangirl is that once she locks her eyes on something she's all in you know for better for worse and we'll we'll get into that for better for worse she's locked in and she's gonna find ways to strategize like how we get this person to where we need them to be whether that's you know in the number one on the charts the number one movie in the world you know like whatever that looks like whatever the goal is they're going to strategize these like practically just impressive marketing strategies to get them to that point you know like that is where that is kind of the crux of the of the teen girl it's like it really is like a lot of innovation that's happening in this group depending on whatever it is that they are are a fan of so that's kind of where the teen girl and you know the whole idea of a fangirl began and of course it would go on and it's not just like I don't want to just say that fangirls are just people who are fans of like male groups because they think that they're cute. And that's not to say that like that shouldn't be a part of the fangirl experience because it absolutely is. Um, As someone who is a fangirl, a lot of the times in the, the fervor of my fandom, if I think that the person is attractive, whoever I'm a fan of or the thing like has attractive people in it that's only a plus like I don't think it's it's good to degrade teen girls and just be like oh you just like this because you think he's cute like yeah so what so what plenty of people like things because they think that the person doing it is attractive like I don't know lock me up but I think that's that's just more than fine but whatever I'm not gonna I'm going to try and stay as on focus as I can for this because I have a lot of opinions uh, around such a such a topic. So the next question is, like, where can we find the teen girl? And this actually brings up a very interesting point that I was doing or that I found while I was researching. So where can we find the fangirl? The easiest answer to that question is the Internet, obviously. Um, Fandom only was heightened with the introduction of the internet and i was reading in an article kind of talking about the fandom of one direction specifically a lot of literature around this subject um is tends to be centered around three groups beatles one direction and bts 
Um, so there's a ton of a ton of theories and research that has been done, and those three tend to be the most consistent factors <laughs> that that come up when when talking about teen girl fandom. But fandom thrives on the internet. Like the internet runs on fandom just as much as fandom runs on the internet, right? And we can oftentimes find so much community um, that we wouldn't otherwise know about had we, you know, not had the internet. Pre-internet times, it was kind of like whoever in your community you found who also liked that thing, you kind of just like were bonded for life because you both liked that thing. And then, you know, if you had the money to, or if you just had the means to travel and find other people who enjoyed the same things as you, you know, if you regularly went to concerts or, you know, like you, the, if you had more opportunities to meet people, that's how you kind of created a community. But the internet has made it so much easier for fangirls to find each other and to create community within each other. I can't tell you the countless stories that I've read about fandoms, you know, like One Direction, like I think that's most prominent now, especially with the popularity of Harry Styles. A lot of people I've seen talking about like, yeah, I met, you know, some of my closest friends on like, you know, Tumblr or like on One Direction Tumblr or One Direction Twitter. And, you know, now we've met up and like, you know, we've gone to each other's weddings and, you know, we've seen each other like you have babies and everything like that. And you just see just the beauty that comes with this friendship that has been afforded to them by the Internet. And so the cool thing that I found in some of my research was that in the early days of the Internet, it was seen as a very male dominated space like we don't really think of cyberspace as being this kind of gendered you know area but in the very early days and early years of of the internet it was widely thought that women were not on the internet and then it's a lot of people thought that women came to the internet towards the late 2000s when it actually happened a lot earlier than that it actually started happening more towards the late 90s slash early 2000s, which coincided with the um, kind of uptick in these personal websites like, you know, GeoCities and things like that. And I found in, you know, my own personal experience and everything, but like there were tons of forums and GeoCity sites and like these places where fandom was kind of being reborn again. And it was being introduced into this digital space that we now, you know, can see on sites like Tumblr and Reddit and Twitter and TikTok to a large degree. But that's where we can find the teen girl. The Internet is kind of the best place um, for a teen girl to be found. And I think one site that kind of bolstered that, like it boosted it up to an 11, really is Tumblr. Like Tumblr now is seen almost exclusively as the fandom website like it is the place where you go to find people who are also enjoying these various like almost a little bit more niche fandoms um I've, I've talked about it a couple times on the podcast but I always talk about that I was on 2012 2013 tumblr as if I went to war or something but like if well it felt like it at times um but in that time in my life like I definitely was engaging with like the Sherlock fandom like the super who lock fandom which is um 
Supernatural, Sherlock, and uh, Doctor Who. And it was all like one big fandom because it, I think at a certain point, it was just kind of understood that if you were a fan of one of those shows, you probably were a fan of the other two. So it was just one mega fandom named Super Who Luck. Um, I didn't tend to frequent that. I didn't really watch those shows. Um, and to be fair, at this time, if I'm really being honest with myself, I was more of a, a like a passive fangirl in this space. Like I wasn't actively creating content. You know, I wasn't doing anything that was like inviting the friendship of other people. I just kind of was like just seeing what other people who also liked the things that I liked, what were they posting? What were they talking about? And what conversations were happening? Um, so the fandom that I was most active um, in and active in my kind of lurking sense was the Loki fandom around that time. And I know that someone listening right now, when I said Loki fandom in 2013 Tumblr, I know that you uh, a, a, you just got a, a cold feeling rushing down your body. Um, just a, a shudder, just spray it out through your body. And I want you to know that I hear you and I see you and I respect you because I too uh, fear that certain sequence of words. But <laughs> the Loki fandom around that time, it coincided with the release of the very first Avengers film, which came out in 2012. And then like 2013, 2014 is when it started really like ramping up. Um, and in that fandom, I found tons of fan fiction. And also like fan fiction is probably the most like the premier place uh, for a fangirl, especially if she writes. If she reads, absolutely. She writes. Fan fiction is 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 kind of one of the most prominent ways that fangirls express themselves. And let me tell you something. It's not just like, you know, like no one's pussyfooting around with the things that we see on these fan fiction sites like Wattpad and AO3 and fanfiction.net. Um, if you're a little bit older, like there were some real, there was literature happening <laughs> in these spaces. Like I used to, I tend to, tended to frequent um, Wattpad and then I've now since graduated to uh, AO3, which is archive of our own. Um, but I remember just like reading some legitimately fantastic books. And this is not a phenomenon that's like hasn't caught on. Like there have been plenty of stories that began as fan fiction for like One Direction or for Twilight that have been turned into actual bound books. And then in some cases got turned into actual movies. Famously, that happened with the Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> phantom that started out as twilight fan fiction and then got turned into an actual book uh still based on that original fan fiction but obviously they had to change the names um to be sold as like a book not associated with stephanie meyer and then it got turned into a three movie franchise so you know the the limits of a fan fiction and the fangirl they don't exist like like i said when a fangirl puts her mind to something she's queenie and she's going to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like she's going to get it done. You know what I'm saying? But a long way to say the internet is kind of the place. It is the hub for, for fandom, especially for fangirls and fangirls kind of built that space. Like not to say that, you know, men 
who are who indulge in fan culture in some way didn't have a part because obviously in fandoms like the MCU and Star Wars and everything like that you know like they are very very active especially in an online space but there's something so inherently honest to the fangirl um like in association to the internet and like how the internet plays into fandom culture that it, I don't know it just really just rings true to me like the the fangirl really does feel like that ground floor of like here's what the internet can do with your favorite fandom like this is these are the places where it can go $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SAVE to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. So my next question is, how does she work? Like, so we know what all can be done from the fangirl, but how does it, how does it work? Like, how do they mobilize? You know what I mean? And there's really no cut and dry answer to that because it really just, it kind of just depends. Like, this is probably the best sector of pop culture to observe the behavior of fangirls really is in music, especially now especially uh, within K-pop. Like, if you want to see a group of people who are united under one goal, go to K-pop. That is where you will find the most dedicated groups of people who have dedicated their lives, their money, their energy, (laughs) their time to a musical group who are oftentimes singing in a language that they do not speak. It is impressive. It is impressive. And do not like, don't knock down the power of K-pop because I myself at one point, I like boy bands, but I don't know if I like K-pop, like blah, 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 blah. At one point I thought like, oh, like, you know, I don't think I'll ever get into K-pop. Like it doesn't seem like it's for me. Like I'm very much like a Western pop person and everything. And I remember listening to it a little bit in high school. Like there was like one or two songs because there were people that I went to high school with that really, really enjoyed it. 
And I tried to get into it around that time and it never quite came to fruition for me at that time. So I put it down and then for years, years past, I went to finish high school, went to college and two years after I graduated from college, I was living in New York. I was very depressed (laughs) and I was doom scrolling on TikTok. And one day I hear this song and it's kind of got this like Latin marimba beat to it. Um, and it's very summery, like it was the summer of 2021 and I just hear this like very like cheery vibe. So it just feels very tropical sounding. And it was on a video. It was like a, a, it's what's called a, a like dance relay or relay dance. And I was like, what is this song? And the song was called Alcohol Free by Twice. And that song sent me down a rabbit hole that I have not gotten out of since June of 2021. (laughs) Now I consider myself a very big fan of K-pop. It's one of my favorite groups of 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 music. It is like all encompassing of all these different subgenres within it. It's such a fascinating sector of the industry to observe and to be a fan of. It's wonderful, but like I said, it is the best 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 place to observe uh what how a fangirl works. Um, because these these people who are fans of these groups, no matter if it's the girl groups or the boy groups, they are like as soon as an album drops, they're already buying the albums. They put out multiple versions of the albums so that they can collect all the photo cards, which are basically just like trading cards with the pictures of the members of the group on them. And like if you have your bias, which is your favorite member, you want to make sure that you're getting the photo cards or whatever posters, postcards, whatever it is with your biases face on it. Like that's what you want. Like they're spending money. As soon as a music video drops, they're streaming it. They have put like pieces of technology and software in place to where they are watching these music videos over and over and over again just to boost them up in the like video rankings on YouTube like and it's it's the it it sounds like I'm saying like these things and they don't like work they work you watch like a group like twice who was like one of my favorite groups they just put out a music video on Friday March 10th I think yeah Friday March 10th they put out a music video I kid you not within the first hour it had a million views and that is is not like it's going to peak there there these music videos reached the hundreds of millions of views in such a short amount of time and like that is a that is a marker of success for k-pop fangirlies like that is a marker of success streams is a marker of success like there are so many ways that these girls are at work like, I mean, they are putting in the work like it's their job and that's why it's so interesting because a lot of people who and this is not just for k-pop i'm now speaking a little bit more broadly but like k-pop girlies one direction stands um just former boy band stands in general especially within the music industry have done then gone on to work in marketing for these record labels because they have such a keen understanding of how fandom works and it's impressive they turn it into actual jobs because for probably 10 years before they applied they were doing on the ground marketing for these things for free for free 
And the same goes for other fandoms too, like for movies. There have been plenty of movies to where they don't do well in the theaters and then you get online and you see people talking about it and it almost becomes like, like this is how a cult classic is kind of made now. Um, when in the internet gets a hold of it and finds something about it that they enjoy. Like it, the same thing happened last year with The Invitation. If you follow me on literally anywhere, you know that I loved the invitation very much and I spent so much of my time talking about it on on Twitter and that was where I found other you know fangirls like me who really enjoyed it and it kind of got a second breath because then when it was brought to streaming on Netflix for the first week that it was on there it was like the number one movie on Netflix where is it tanked at the box office? Same thing goes for television. Again another vampire show. Um, my most prominent fangirl experience and I experienced this fangirl experience at the ripe age of 23 24 um so last year was with interview with the vampire you guys know I did a two-part series all about vampires so go check that out it's an evergreen episode you know it's not just a Halloween episode it's an evergreen episode but I talked a little bit about interview with the vampire but I have been heavily into interview with the vampire twitter and that is where I found again, like this community of people who are all so like locked in to loving this show and loving the the actors and the writers and the directors and like knowing all these things. And it's been the coolest thing in the world to experience this for myself, you know, even at a, an older age than like the, you know, I'm not a, a teen girl, you know, like an age anymore, but experiencing it, like the fangirl experience doesn't just stop at the teen girl it may peak there but it doesn't stop there you know like I think I'll be a fangirl until the day I die but like it it doesn't stop at just being a teenager you know what I mean it's just a really cool thing it's like a it's an ongoing love and really what a fangirl is is just a it's just perpetual love for something a perpetual appreciation for something something that has this ongoing impact in your life and that you will always be, you know, proud to say that you are a fan of it. I think that's what ultimately a fangirl is. So I spent a lot of time being very lovey, 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 dovey, dovey, dovey about um, the fangirl. But then that brings me to the question of, is she dangerous? And let's talk about it. Like, is she dangerous? Not necessarily, but we have to be cautious. So within the, the fangirl kind of side of things, it sometimes you you have to ask the question of who gets to be a fan right and you may hear that you'd be like well Bobby like everyone gets to be a fan of something if they want to be right like it's not you you can't gatekeep who's a fan of things and and you can in certain a lot of these spaces especially you know on Tumblr and on TikTok that I found that fangirl spaces are not you know exempt from the real horrors of life like you know, like misogyny, you can find it running rampant. It's a lot of the times internalized misogyny, um, homophobia, you know, racism in large quantities. Going back to the Loki Tumblr days, I remember that there were kind of like small sections of black, like Loki fangirls. And I remember seeing just like kind of the 
racist vitriol that some fans had for black Loki fans um, saying like, oh, like Loki would never be with like a black girl. And that experience is applicable to so many fandoms. I've seen it happen countless times. I could imagine I could get a, a black fangirl from every fandom on the planet. And at some point she'll be like, yeah, I've seen people being racist to, to black fans for no reason. It just kind of happens. It sucks, but it just kind of happens. And it gets to the point where you, where a lot of, you know, like marginalized within the, the kind of fangirl space, marginalized like teen girls are confronted with this like idea that like, I well, I thought we both liked the same thing. Like I thought we wouldn't, I wouldn't have to deal with that here. You know, like they're escaping from, the realities of what it means to be, you know, an other, to be a minority. And in this one space that's theirs, they have to be confronted and smacked in the face with some fan being, you know, prejudiced to them in some way. And it's really, really messed up. And ultimately, that's a failing of fandom culture broadly, not just with teen girl fandoms. But it's especially harmful because you think that's a space where you're safe. And then when it becomes unsafe, the person who's punished is not the one who made you feel unsafe. It's you having to contend with, should I stay or should I go? You know what I mean? And it's not that great. Unfortunately, fangirls can also lead to roads that are just kind of flat out dangerous. Like with any, and this is not, I, I want to preface that I'm not saying that this is something exclusive to the teen girl fandom because it's not. It's an anomaly just like anything else but we have seen many instances where sometimes the fandom can become obsession and it can be it can go too far like with these groups like one direction and with you know bts like their their dedication and their love is admirable but at one point is it too much and i'm not the authority to say when it's too much but you you can know when it is a little bit too much or when it goes too far and there have been examples where you know people have tried to you know get close to the people that they're they're fans of or they try to you know send derogatory things or because of the it's really the the dangers of parasocial relationships which is to say like the dangers of having this relationship that is not really true like with this artist or with this movie star or with this author or whoever it is or with this fictional character you think you have this relationship that you don't really have and it's because that person that entity whatever it is that you think you have a relationship with was more often than not marketed to make you feel that way because that's how they get your time your energy your money like that's how they that's how they kind of get you in and so that's why I always think it's 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 crazy because I think a lot of especially a lot of uh male like you know bands and stuff when asked about their fangirls and so it always makes me sad because they are very like some of them are really like yeah you know we love our fans but some of them don't like to be associated with having these like kind of zealous teen girl fans it makes them feel you know, like, I don't know if it makes them feel illegitimate. I don't know. It, well, I don't know what the feeling is there, but it ends up degrading the people who are fans of them. And ultimately, that's so harmful to that parasocial relationship that some of these teen girls may have. And they shouldn't be punished. 
but it's it ends up being super harmful and ultimately that falls um that burden falls onto them more than it does whoever it is that they're a fan of and so to wrap things up why is the fangirl important why have i spent the last 30 minutes sharing uh what could be considered embarrassing moments <laughs> about myself and my teen fangirl experience but like why why are we talking about this like why is it important like i said the teen girl is so absolutely foundational to how we all of us take in fan culture like she is the deciding factor of what's new and next she decides you know how are we interacting with this entity like she's the one going to the movie theater 10 times to go and see this movie to try and bolster up its box office sales she's the one pounding the pavement on twitter and tumblr saying hey vote for bts in this random award show even if it's an award show that no one is watching if bts is nominated for something best believe army that's the bts fandom name army is going to be there being like hey vote for bts for this blah blah blah, blah or whatever it is um but the fangirl i think shows us just the the power that pop culture can have like she is the manifestation of what it means to be a fan and she has to be there in order for us to really appreciate these things that we're that we're fans of like you know is it nice to reverently you know look at things that we're fans of and be very kind of demure about our feelings about it sure but like sometimes it's just nice to let loose and be crazy about how much you love something and that is what the fangirl is that is what the teen fangirl is like she in that space at a concert during a movie while she's watching her tv show while she's reading a book while she's on tumblr while she's on reddit while she's on you know twitter or tiktok she in that moment is able to live unabashedly and live her truth and her love for whatever it is like we may think it's cringy and you know what teen fangirls are cringe and that is okay it is okay to be cringe sometimes but I look at fandoms like the Stranger Things fandoms, especially, especially the Eddie Munson fandom. And I don't have a dog in that fight. I don't watch Stranger Things. But it's been really fascinating to see the, the Eddie Munson fandom and see how people have interpreted this character and like what new life it's taken on. Like you see members of the fandom dressing as eddie munson you see them doing like these kind of pov role play things where they're like oh eddie munson's my boyfriend um and the expression is not just like when i say teen girls teen girls is kind of a larger encompassing word like there are many you know gender expressions and sexualities and identities underneath that umbrella um but it's something that's very potent and very powerful and very important and i think we need to give the fangirl some, like, cut her some slack, you know, cut her, just leave her alone. Like, I'm very much like, leave Britney alone, like, leave her alone, you know, let her enjoy her thing in peace. You think you're gonna stop a dude who loves a football team and, like, covers his whole wall and posters of the football team and, like, watches all his interviews and watches his tape and like knows all his stats like you think you're gonna stop him from doing that if you're like oh you care a lot about this he's gonna be like yeah it's because i it's just something that i like cutting girls the same thing cut them some slack like quit 
bashing the things that they like. And it's so crazy how the things that teen girls like, those are the ones that are considered basic and vapid just because teen girls like them. And that ultimately makes you think, well, what do we think of teen girls? Do we think that they're basic and vapid and don't know anything and can't possibly be, you know, capable of knowing anything at that age? But teen boys, we often just give the, oh, well, you know, they're growing up, they're figuring stuff out. Like, you see, you hear the the narrative that kind of brews when we perpetuate that type of rhetoric with teen girls and what they like and what they don't like and, you know, what they should like and we should get rid of, you know, these boy bands and everything like that. It's so... It's so messed up. And if you are a teen girl, anyone who subscribes to that experience, I want you to know, love what you love and love it unabashedly. You know, like you're at this point in your life where your your emotions just feel massive and they feel heavy and you don't always know the best ways to get them out. And so when you find that thing, you know, that that song, that band, that book, that movie, that TV show, that character, whoever it is, love it and and pour all your creativity into it. Not all of it, but, you know, pour yourself into loving it, you know, and you don't know the good things that can come out of it. You can strike a book deal. You can strike a movie deal. You can just have this form of expression that you didn't know you had. You can meet some really cool people. I've met some fantastic people who are in various fandoms, especially the interview with the um, vampire fandom, who I've met, who are some of the coolest people that I've ever met. And if it wasn't for this vampire show with my two vampire boyfriends, I would have never met him. So fandom in general is important, but especially the fangirl. She is a crucial, crucial, crucial member to the big orchestra that is fandom. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode, Afternooners. If you don't know, the Afternooners is my name for all of us. So if you made it to the end of this episode, congratulations, you're an Afternooner now. If you like this episode, don't forget to rate and review this podcast if you had a good time. It helps out the pod. You get to tell me how you're feeling about the pod. And I get that sweet hit of praise and validation that is my life force and keeps me going. If you want to know where else to find me on the internet, you can find me at The Afternoon Special on TikTok or Instagram or over on Twitter at Hi, I'm Bobby, H-I-I-M-B-O-B-B-I. And if you're thinking, Bobby, I need to go dive deep into my old tumblr account and see what i was a fan of because i'm feeling really nostalgic right now bestie i fully support that and i will be doing the same probably um and so i put all of that information in the description box down below just for you you're welcome and a little bit of personal news um as i'm recording this it is march 14th uh the 95th Academy Awards were on March 12th. And so if you were wondering, hey, who is that black girl with the red hair in the back of a lot of, um, you know, like Getty images with like fans and the stars of the carpet? That was me. That was me. I was on TV. I was on TV. I was at the I was at the uh, uh, the 95th Academy Awards on the carpet. Um, it was a really, really cool experience. I got to be a fangirl uh, and it was just so nice to just cheer people on and tell them that I was you know, massive fans of them. Um, 
not to brag or anything, but I did fist bump and make eye contact with Steven Spielberg. So needless to say, we are friends now. Um, I got a chance to talk to Stephanie Hsu, who love her dearly. I told her that I thought she was amazing. Um, stand by that. Uh, I got a chance to talk to Bailey Bass, who plays Claudia in Interview with the Vampire. And that clip of me and, and the person who I was um, standing next, who was also a fan, um, that clip has now made its rounds on the different Interview with the Vampire news update sites. So that's been fun. Um, but it was a really cool experience. And I'm so happy I did it. And had I not been a fangirl, I wouldn't have been able to do it. See, we always make it back around to this topic of the episode. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this week's chat and that you'll join me again next week for another pop culture deep dive. Later days, friends. Hi, listeners. This is Jason Liu, creator of Birds of Empire. I am beyond excited to introduce our new season and dive back into the world of New Dakota. Birds of Empire follows four young people from the clans of New Dakota. The bears, the rams, the birds, and the wolves. Each hero we follow will struggle with their own demons, burdens, and hopes as their battles play out across a sprawling, lush, and brutal landscape unlike any that's come before it. Birds of Empire is a modern folk epic that blends elements of history, fantasy, and myth to tell the story of an incredible world that might one day be. Book one, The Dawn Age, introduced us to the world and the heroes who call it home. Book two, The Seed of White Rock, continues our heroes' journeys as destinies collide, revolution brews, and new alliances are formed. All things return. Follow now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to never miss an episode. Are you a Marvel fan? Matt, you know I am. Jeff, I was asking the listener. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought it seemed like a weird question because, you know, we've been doing a Marvel podcast together for nine years now. No, no, I was trying to grab the attention of all the Marvel fans out there for this ad. Oh. I thought it was weird, too. You should definitely warn us. Good note, Ashley. Well, if you like Marvel movies and TV as much as we do, join us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. He did it again.